Welcome to Cabbages and Kings, a podcast for readers of science fiction and fantasy. I'm your host, Jonah Sutton Morse. My guest this episode is Akil Harris, who is Hello Akil on Twitter. Akil is a young writer and avid reader of speculative fiction stationed in the Atlanta metro area. Usually when he's supposed to be writing, Akil is instead on Twitter, stealing pieces of writerly wisdom from prolific authors, hopefully without their notice. While he's yet to have any of his short fiction published, Akil is confident that one day he'll muster up the courage to actually submit one of his stories to a magazine. This is another of our periodic dives into the history and background of science fiction and fantasy readers. Having launched into all of that, let's start by having you tell me a bit about your history with the genre. How did you come to be a science fiction and fantasy reader? I have always been an avid reader. Like when I was in elementary school, we had this uh, accelerated reading program where um, uh, we would read books and then like take a little test and then we would uh, grade our reading level. And I would always be ahead of my reading level just because I was always reading more books and stuff like that. But I think the first speculative fiction, uh, I guess maybe the first considered fantasy novel I read was maybe a book called Elsewhere by Gabrielle Zevin. It's a... Uh, a story of this teenage girl who, um, she uh, dies in a car accident, and then she goes to the afterlife at this place called Elsewhere, where uh, she's slowly uh, reversing in age until she becomes a baby, and then she's reincarnated into, uh, like, another baby on Earth. And it was... Huh. It was yeah, yeah, it's nice, isn't it? That's that's a really intriguing premise. I assume everybody, like, it's that, that is the notion that this is nothing special about her, that, like, everybody lives for a certain amount of time, goes elsewhere for the same amount of time, and then comes back? Yeah, exactly. Like, she meets her grandma there. When she meets her grandma, uh, she says that she looks like her mom, so it's really surreal for her. Huh. All right, so that was where you started. Yeah, that's where I started. Uh, at least that's the most impactful special fiction novel that I remember, uh, my earliest memory of it. But um, as, far as, as far as science fiction, I believe the first one I read was probably, it was called I Left My Shoes, in Dimension X. It's a part of a science fiction series. I think it's called uh, My Teacher's an Alien, something like that. But um, uh, that was the f- uh, first one I read. It was really just uh, kind of this kid from Earth and we go on adventures with like aliens and stuff. And um, I don't really remember the premise, but it was fun. What I remember most, uh, after I first started reading speculative fiction and starting fantasy and stuff like that, I was really into sword and sorcery for like a while. Okay. I love, yeah, I love like, uh, the whole dragons and the medieval, uh, stuff like that. Another series that I really loved was the Artemis Fowl series by Owen Culfer. Do you know about that? I remember hearing about that one. I don't think I ever read it. Artemis Fowl is his name. He's this boy genius from like Ireland and, uh, he okay. discovered. He discovers this, uh, I guess, this underground world of these fairy creatures who actually have, like, they have a mixture of magic and, like, really advanced technology. And he's basically trying to, like, take their stuff because he's kind of like an evil genius. But, yeah, it's cool. You talked a little bit about enjoying sword and sorcery, enjoying dragons. At that point, were you thinking, I read fantasy, I read fantasy and science fiction, I read adventures with dragons? Did you read lots of other stuff as well? Like how much how much of your identity was tied into this is this is the stuff that I read and I kind of read it exclusively, or was it just most of what I read uh, had some kind of magic in it? I, I didn't really read a lot of science fiction 
until a little later on. I think I still mostly read fantasy type stuff, but I didn't really th- think about it as far as genre wise. But I mostly just thought when I went to the library, oh, this has magic in it. I want to read that. Okay. Um, but I did read a lot of like uh, realistic YA novels too. Did you at, a, at any point either accidentally or intentionally stumble into sort of classics? When I think of it, I think of Narnia, Hobbit, Lord of the Rings, Redwall. I am delighted to hear of other people's sort of canon and early... What formed your idea of what science fiction and fantasy was. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, funny you say that because it turns out like a lot of the famous uh, literature that most people have read, I find that I haven't read them or... um I haven't heard of a lot of them because uh, I always went to this just this one small library in my in my hometown, and I kind of just stayed in one section of it, just uh, picking out whatever interested me, whatever caught my eye. But no, I didn't really get into the classics too much. But I should jump in here and say I think of them as the classics. I don't think that anyone else that I've talked to, like in this series, that I've said, okay, what's your history with a genre has listed the books that I think of. So yet another reminder to me how how many different paths there are to we read this fantasy and science fiction stuff. Mm-hmm. Although I do remember that we read Narnia in like sixth grade and for my uh, language arts class. That's about all I remember though. Have you branched out consciously or unconsciously from I'm grabbing the stuff with magic at the local library? Well, what I really uh, like is that when it, I think uh, there's a class I had in my my senior year of high school that really impacted uh, the way I think about reading and what I, what I read now because okay. I I took AP literature. Shout out to Sean Antonetti; he was my teacher, <laughs> and um, he had a really rigorous class. But he really uh, taught us how to think deeply about the text and all, and you know, kind of go beyond the surface uh, level of the events going on, like what they actually. Uh, mean on a greater level. Uh, so I was exposed to stuff like 1984 and Invisible Man by Ralph Ellison mm-hmm. and um, uh, Fences by August Wilson and stuff like that. After that, I was really interested in literary fiction and I tried to go, uh, tried to direct myself toward that a bit more, but I think I was just so used to reading stuff with, like fantasy elements. It's just like I would start it and then I'll just kind of put it down, you know. I do. Yeah. <laughs> Given that I've started to, because of that, I started to think more critically about literature. Uh, when I was at the library or at the bookstore and reading uh, the backs of books and stuff, I was thinking, oh, this sounds like a really interesting concept. So I am a bit more, um, bit more of an active thinker when I'm picking my books now. Okay. So what are you, what are you looking for now? Well, what I'm reading now is, um, and, uh, ooh, can I tell you a little story? Please. Okay. So are you familiar with the, uh, Queers Destroy science fiction Kickstarter? I am. All right. Yeah. So, um, uh, that was through Lightspeed, of course. And, um, I found out about that. It was really a really cool, um, kind of happenstance because I found out about it just as I was, uh, looking into reading more about queer experiences. Found out, I thought, oh, this is so cool. But at the same time, I was kind of like, you know what? This is really cool. And they did one for women too. Yeah, I I've got Women Destroy Science Fiction up on my shelf, and it's there's some really good stuff in there. 
Yeah, I haven't gotten that yet. I did order um, the limited edition of the the paperback they did for Queer Story SF, but um, but I was looking at it and I thought it was so cool. And at the same time, I was thinking this is really cool, but are they going to do one for like people of color? Because that'd be awesome too. And so what I did was I emailed them and I emailed uh emailed them emailed them asking uh, saying how awesome I thought it was that they were doing this and trying to you know um uh, promote marginalized voices and stuff like that. And, uh, mm-hmm. But also, I was asking, you know, are you guys going to do one for people of color? Because that would be really cool, because I realize now I really don't see a lot of stuff for my people of color. And so John Joseph Adams emailed me back uh, saying that, yeah, we actually are going to do one uh, for people of color. I thought that I was really excited. But he also did this. He gave me, like, a long list of um, speculative fiction authors who were also black. And I was like, these people exist? Yeah. Amazing. So, um, after I found that out, it really inspired me and it made me start thinking, uh, it made me start, uh, seeking those people out and seeking things like that out more. And, um, that's kind of what I'm into now. I actually just, uh, got the, uh, Dark Matter anthology edited by. So good. Yeah. I haven't read it yet, but, um, I ordered it through Interlibrary Loan. I can't wait to read it. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's really good. Uh, you, I assume slash hope you know about Long Hidden. I do, I do. That that one also really good, and many people of color uh, wrote for it. My Twitter improved significantly when I decided to just follow everyone involved with that project. Mm. Okay, so you have fairly recently discovered that there are many authors of color out there, uh, and have been for quite a while, actually. I'm still in, I'm still in like the early stage of uh reading all their work, but I read I think it was Hundred Thousand Kingdoms by N.K. Jemisin uh, a month or two ago, and uh-huh. I think I think that's like the first speculative fiction novel I read by a black person, and it was really nice. I liked it. So good. One of the reasons I am still actively reading new fantasy is Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. So you liked it? I hope. I did. I really liked it. Yes, it's funny because um once I learned that there are so many uh black speculative fiction writers and those uh people of color who are writing speculative fiction, I I kind of uh started just kind of stalking them on Twitter, you know. Mm-hmm. I I uh what I did was I just started following a bunch of people and then uh that that was really interesting to do because they do have a lot of interesting and intelligent commentary on Twitter, like Nettie Corfor and NK Jemison, they're smart people, man. They, they cool. really are. Did you yeah. um did you hear the MF Galaxy podcasts a little while back interviewing them? I did not. I will send you a link. I think that he also interviewed uh Nello Hopkinson. All of those were really good and really interesting. More about discovering people of color on Twitter and writing fantasy and science fiction is that I mean, I mean, it sounds like it's still something that's very fairly new for you. I don't know if there's. It is actually uh, something that's really cool is I learned because I also follow Neil Gaiman on Twitter, and uh, I remember him tweeting out about the Clarion Workshop once, mm-hmm. and I didn't know what that was. I looked it up and I found out, oh, this is really cool. But then I also found out that there are a lot of graduates of the Clarion Workshop on Twitter. And I was like, oh, let's yeah. see what these people are saying. So I kind of just stalked their mentions. It's like, who are you talking to? Okay, mm-hmm. I'll follow you too. And I like to follow a bunch of those people. And they're all so smart, man. It makes me feel so bad about myself. They're so smart. 
I, it, they are really smart and I have learned a lot and it is really good to listen to smart people saying smart things. Sometimes I feel dumb when smart people say smart things, but often I feel smarter after smarter people have sm- said smart things. <laughs> so what is it about fantasy and science fiction? And is it mostly one or the other? Or do you, are you kind of hopping around in between them? I think I'm hopping between them. Uh, like I said, when I was younger, I always had a preference for fantasy just because it kind of feels like, I know that um, there's kind of a, a sense of boundless informa- boundless imagination in both genres, but something just kind of resonates with me a bit more with the kind of whimsy and uh, just freedom that comes with like a fantasy novel, like living in a completely different world and stuff like that with different rules and magic and stuff like that. But... The thing about it is, I don't know, when I was younger, uh, I just really liked escaping into alternate worlds and just fantasy, it can kind of give you, fantasy and science fiction, it can give you kind of a hope, you know, because it, it gives you this picture of a, of an alternate reality, uh, sometimes good, sometimes bad, but I don't know, it's just kind of, I don't know, man, I just like it. I don't yeah, know. no, I, <laughs> I still have trouble with that one. Hope of an alternate reality. I remember bus rides. I remember pretty miserable bus rides mm-hmm. where if I was lucky, I was just kind of sitting by myself. And if I was less lucky, I was getting picked on. And I remember pretty miserable bus rides, either reading a book or imagining myself within a book. Mm-hmm. And that was pretty key to especially my junior high experience and getting through. And is that, the kind of thing that you mean when you say that are you like was it was it daydreaming did you put yourself into the stories um it was both actually um yeah i didn't really have a lot of friends growing up my brother my younger brother uh, funny enough he was the one who was always making friends always playing outside and stuff but i was always inside reading a book and um yeah middle school was kind of lame for me so i tended to just kind of escape into uh like fantasy and sci-fi it's just so much more fun you know mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I but uh yeah but i i have uh, developed a more of appreciation for both genres uh, as i've grown and learned how complex they can be uh i remember this short tv series called prophets of science fiction uh where it went over books by like philip k dick and isaac asimov and mary shelley and I, Robert Heinlein, stuff like that. And it made me realize how cool science fiction could be. So that's how I got back into it again. Uh, so I started uh, reading a bit more. And uh, so I just have a fascination, a deep fascination with both genres. What about horror? Do you read much in that vein? You know, it's weird because I consider myself a guy who's into kind of creepy things. But I haven't read a lot of horror novels. Like, I haven't really read anything by Stephen King. Yeah, I I think I read one of his short stories that was in an anthology. I tend to stay away from horror, although I I get freaked out with movies and TV shows. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I have that reaction to books and stories because I just decided if I don't like it in movies and TV, I will avoid it in books and stories. Mm-hmm. Does your movie and TV watching is that primarily or at all science fiction and fantasy, or is that a little bit separate? Well, when I'm watching TV, uh, I tend to watch like cartoons or yeah, science. Yeah, actually, you're right. 
tend to watch cartoons or science fiction shows like Fringe and stuff like that. Um, I don't watch a lot of movies. Okay. Uh, but I do have a pretty uh, wide movie interest when I do watch it, when I watch them. But going back to what you said about horror, I, I realize now that uh, I have been reading a little bit more horror because I discovered a nightmare magazine, Lightspeed Sister magazine. Mm-hmm. And I read a couple stories on there, listened to some of the podcasts, and they're so wonderfully creepy. So wonderfully creepy. And this yeah. one, one particular story sits in my memory. Uh, I think it's called Please Mama by Chessia Burke. Oh, that one's wonderful. I love that. So short stories, novels, doesn't really matter at this point. You're kind of experimenting with everything. I am. And since uh, I decided that I want to, you know, get more into writing short fiction, I am starting to read a lot more uh, short fiction from digital magazines and stuff like that. I've been informed that that's the way to go if you if you <laughs> like the short short fiction and podcasts. Do you mostly listen to fic- fiction podcasts? Do you listen to bits and pieces of others? Uh, I actually it's funny. I'm so glad you said that because here is the first podcast that I listen to after I learn like what a podcast really is. Welcome to Night Vale. Are you familiar with it? I. Am I listened to about two episodes and decided it wasn't for me, but I have heard very, very good things, and I know that lots of people say very good things about it. I am in absolute love with it. I love that podcast. <laughs> it's it just it's really funny and really creepy, and it has it makes fun of existential anxiety, which is the thing I do in my real life all the time. It's wonderful. Should we talk about what you're reading right now? What are you reading right now? I'm putting it on the spot. Oh, <laughs> uh, what I'm reading right now is uh, ta Coates' first book, The Beautiful Struggle, because, you know, his uh, second book is out now, and I wanted to uh, uh, read his first one before I read that one. Okay. And uh, I actually have a short list. Uh, I'm going to read that one, and then I'm going to read Those Bones Are Not My Child by Tony Kate Bambara. Okay. She was a close friend of Toni Morrison's. That's how I got to know her. And then I'm going to read the Dark Matter anthology. And then I'm going to read Between the World and Me. All right. So are you a one book at a time kind of guy? Yeah, I've, 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 uh, I've done reading like two or three books at a time. And it was actually fun. I liked it. But I don't know. I, th- I think I, uh, I, just, I get into a habit of reading one book at a time. But maybe I'll try reading two at a time again. Uh, ebooks, physical books. Do you write in your books? I much. I like how you said that. Like it was taboo. Do you write in your books? I know that there are these people who do that, and I understand that for many of them, it helps them get more out of the book. And I have learned when I tweet about what I'm reading, I get a lot more out of the book, and I still have a hard time highlighting and writing even in like on my Kindle. So I apologize for suggesting the judgment i know it's it's fine (laughs) it's fine Uh, if you're one of those people one of those people (laughs) um but i i much prefer physical books to ebooks um maybe if i had an e-reader i feel differently about it but like when i'm reading uh short stories uh on lightspeed's website on my laptop it's nice i mean i just prefer I guess, I mean, if I just had a handheld thing, it might be better. I live on my phone, and so, yeah. I I mean, I like my Kindle app a lot, and I save a lot of stuff from the web to Instapaper, which is my Relator app, and I can go read there. 
but reading websites on my phone does not work for me. Mm-hmm. But for you, it's it's desktop for the short stories, and then otherwise, you you prefer paper books. Yeah, much prefer them. That's why I ordered the trade paperback for uh, Cursor Story SF. But mm-hmm. I I do write in my books uh, sometimes. Like if it's something I'm really trying to learn from, I'll I'll, I'll uh, scribble in there and highlight okay. stuff. Okay, I'll try to be open minded. I'm working <laughs> on it. This is hard for me. Do you? reread very often do you like having things on your shelves is there significance or does it end up wherever it ends up it's funny because i recently bought a bookshelf just because <laughs> i wanted to have a place because my books are for first in my closet because i have bookshelves in there but then i uh, bought this bookshelf i could put in the middle of my room and just put all my books there so like people walk in is like oh look how many books Akil reads he's so smart i took the dorm room Second year in college, I took the dorm room that had the extra bookshelf built in. So, I approve. <laughs> What'd you ask again? Do you shelve them in a particular order? Does it matter to you that certain books be next to each other? I knew someone who sorted all of her books by height. Didn't matter what the subject matter was. Didn't matter who the author was. It was just we had to have the shortest book on one side and the tallest book on the other side. It's funny because that's how I stack my books. Like if they're not on the shelf, I want them to be lab- like uh, stacked by height. But as when it's on the shelf, uh, it doesn't really matter to me. Not okay. Really. So in terms of you said you've been thinking about writing as well. Do you feel you have stories bursting out of you? Is this something relatively recent? Something you've been wanting to do for a little while? It's something I've wanted to do for a while. Is a uh, I've become, I've become gradually, I'm becoming gradually more serious about it. Um, I'm not bursting with ideas all the time. I, I, I tend to have to, uh, sit down for a while and really develop ideas in my head before I, uh, really get going. But it's fun. I like it when I make time to sit down and do it. Are you reading much? I mean, I know you, you mentioned the Tanahasi Coates books. Are you, reading many either fiction or nonfiction outside of sci-fi fantasy? Uh, I've decided to... I'm trying to read more African-American literature because okay. I, ju- I just ordered this book through Interlibrary Loan uh, called The Black Woman, an anthology edited by Tony K. Pambara, uh, which was just a bunch of uh, essays and uh, I think poems and stuff and fiction and stuff like that by a bunch of uh, black women. And uh, I'm happy to read that. I can't wait for that. Twitter has been a source of discovery for you. Who have been some of the people that have kind of helped you on your journey? Oh, I'm happy to say this. Uh, I'm really grateful for everything that Troy L. Wiggins has to say on Twitter and yes. um, Fenderson Clark. I think he's the disgruntled horror dream. I, I'm hoping to get him on the podcast at some point. Yeah. 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 He's, he's, he's a really cool guy. Um, who else? Uh, Cecily, Cecily Kane. Mm-hmm. Uh, she, she's helped me as far as, uh, she's a great curator. She's directed me towards some really interesting fiction, some really interesting, uh, short fiction reviewers. Yeah. If you, if you want to know about short fiction, Cecily will help find both stories and other people who are, uh, spotlighting it. Yeah. She knows so much, man. How's she found the time to read all this stuff? I, I often ask myself that and occasionally her. And, uh, who else? Uh, there's Celadine Ahmed. He's great. Yeah. Okay, this is the last one. Uh, Alyssa Wong at Crash Wong on Twitter. She, yeah. She's one of those Clarion uh, graduates that I kind of, you know, sneakily 
uh, steal ideas from and stuff. Each episode closes with a memory of a significant book. The right book at the right time, an interesting find, or just something that stuck around. So um, a book that I still really love that I read, I think, uh, two years ago, maybe uh, a year and a half ago, is Paper Towns by John Green. It's a, it's a young adult novel. And the reason I love it so much is, first of all, I resonate with the main character so well because he's the kind of guy who's kind of stuck into the habit of how he does things and um, a little bit lonely. He's a bit geeky and stuff like that. But the, the thing I love about the novel so much is that it deals with the idea of this tendency people have to develop an idea of a person and uh, kind of... Uh, worship that idea or, you know, consider that idea of that person as the whole person. And that kind of prevents them from understanding the actual human being behind that idea. And it uh, allows people to kind of dehumanize them. And he he kind of just uh, basically tears down the Manic Pixie Dream Girl trope. And I really enjoy it. Thanks for listening to Cabbages and Kings. Please let me know what you think of the show. On the website, cabbagesandkings.audio, there's a feedback form and also a page if you'd like to be on the show. Or just go ahead and email contact at cabbagesandkings.audio. I'm on Twitter at jsuttonmorse. The show is on Twitter at kingcabbagecast. Let me know what you enjoyed, what books you're reaching for now, what I can do to make the show better. The website also has an occasional blog, my running tweets on books I'm reading, and importantly, a link to the RSS feed for this show, which you can also find on iTunes and wherever fine podcasts are aggregated. Until next time, enjoy your reading.